everybody welcome to a game spot after dark episode 137 i am your host this week john lusaki coming at you live from the game spot studio here in this dark void is that what that <laughs> is that's that's where i am i'm currently in what will eventually be our podcast studio wow. so if my mic sounds different that is that is why um, what do you guys think so far? What's so dark your... and depressing? Yeah, it's dark. There's a door. There looks like mm-hmm. what is that yeah. behind you? Like a mat or like is yes. that sound? Okay. This is an audio podcast, so you do need to describe it uh, for the audience. Um, it looks like there's is a, that a whiteboard on I'm the wall. Fairly sure I see like a monster hiding in the corner behind you. Is this what is, what's going on there? <laughs> Are those glowing red eyes? <laughs> yeah, as, as long as I don't look at it, it leaves me alone. So oh, got gotta, it, got it. You just got to ignore. Just gotta it. keep staring yeah. at you guys, and it's fine. It's um. <laughs> There is so there's a chair next to me. I am not on that chair because that chair is too high and won't go down. And I couldn't find another chair, so I'm currently sitting on a road case. Uh, <laughs> only the best at GameSpot. Only the best at GameSpot. Uh, we'll see how my my bony ass feels in the next hour and a half. <laughs> uh, as you might have guessed, Tam and Lucy are not here this week. They are both on vacation, enjoying some well deserved time off. So I have got. Uh, the J Squad here with me. I am, of course, joined by Jordan Ramey. What up? What up? Jesse Earl. Hey, hey. And the uh, the not J one, the the, <laughs> the E, the Evan, Evan Langer. Howdy, gamers. Yeah, the I was prepared for like some big secret that Evan's like actual first name started with a J, and Jevin. I've just been calling yeah, him by like Jevin. his middle name was, or something for the say, longest we'll time. We'll give you an honorary J for the podcast. It's Jevin. Okay. It's Jevin for this podcast. I'm cool with that. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, Jevin, why don't we start with you then? What have you been playing? What have I been playing? That's a great question. You've been playing a big one, a big game, a game that I'm very excited about. Yeah, I have been playing uh, Carby and the Remembered Land, or as some people like to call it, Kirby and the Remembered Land. Uh, Kirby is a fucking fantastic video game. I really, really enjoy it. Uh, if you haven't, you should go read a review on GameSpot.com by Stephen Petit, which is also very, very good. Uh, the game is not like open world 3D like the trailers mm. have kind of made it seem. It's more in line with yeah. like Mario 3D World and Mario Odyssey, where there are like specific levels that you go to. But what kind of separates it and what I really like about it is within these levels, you find the hidden Waddle Dees, which are those orange things you see in, in the trailers if you don't know what those are. But on top of that, there are hidden objectives throughout the level, uh, like, you know, find a secret room or take all the little baby ducks back to their mama and stuff like that. So the game encourages you to poke around the levels and you're rewarded for doing so, which I think adds a lot of flavor to these individual levels um, that makes it like more than just Mario 3D World is just like run to A to B and just, you know, if you find the green stars along the way, good for you. Um, (laughs) And uh, I really like that about it. The game is also like it curves the difficulty really well. It starts out really easy. Um, and I remember with the preview that we did, uh, as Steven was writing it, we were talking about it because we were only allowed to talk about World 1 in that preview at the beginning of the month. And we were both like, wow, this game is ridiculously easy, isn't it? 
But as the game goes on, like, honestly, the trajectory of the difficulty is like, it's not too hard or too easy. And within the game, what's really cool about it, too, is you can also evolve the copy abilities Kirby has. So like he has like fire and sword and tornado and stuff, and you can evolve it um, as you go on. And the game also like kind of ramps up the difficulty at your expected amount of like copy ability upgrades along the way. So it feels natural. It feels like as you're upgrading copy abilities, mm. as the game's getting harder, it's kind of going with you. It's it's balanced really well, I think. And like honestly, I, I won't spoil it or anything, but like the final boss was really challenging. Not like I haven't played Elder Ring, but I assume it's not Elder Ring challenging. But <laughs> it's, it's the same, I'm sure it's the same exact level of yeah, Elden yeah. Ring. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think you can claim that. Kirby Elden uh, Ring is the same. Yes, of Kirby course. and the Forgotten Ring. Um <laughs> George R. R. Martin but, is creating the Kirby lore. It's great. It, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, like the final boss is like legitimately challenging, and there's some post game stuff that's like legitimately challenging, and I really like that about it. Um, the other thing I'll mention is the mouthful mode, which is like you know the big mode they've been uh, pushing everywhere. It's it's really cool at first, um, but there are only so many mouthful modes, and they've revealed oh. basically all of them in the trailers, except for one for a very specific oh. reason. So but you can like, never have too many mouthful modes. It's <laughs> well, exactly. I want more of them, right? <laughs> exactly. um, it hits a point in the game where it's like they start recycling mouthful modes, and it's like, mm. okay, I've mm. I've been here, I've done this. And the way most of them work is that like there's this very specific section where you can use it, and it's very obvious what to do, and then you give it up, and it's like they kind of repeat a lot of that stuff. But you know, the, all the levels are very varied. Um, Stephen wrote in his review, which I think was a really good way of putting it, like all the worlds feel like they have their own stories to tell because it's like this forgotten land this abandoned civilization and they all feel like unique and i really like that about it um and again i also won't spoil this but like the way the game structures its story is that like they set up a story in the beginning no story happens almost the entire game and then at the very end they wrap it all up and i will say i was not expecting what they did with the ending but i'm surprised (laughs) in the best way possible and i respect the hell out of them for doing it um so take that tease as you will. What is like this game? <laughs> Kirby kind of rolls because I, I remember that with a couple other Kirby games. There was um the Planet Robo one where Kirby Planet Robobot, like Mecha. yeah, which was like same thing where you're like, okay, there's like kind of a narrative, but not really. And then at the end, it just turns into like Gurren Logan for like the final <laughs> boss, and you're like, oh, fucking, let's go! Like this is sick. Kirby's gonna uh, use his mech to defeat the universe. So like, uh, I don't know if, if that's the route it goes. I'm. I'm all in. I won't say because I don't want to spoil it, but uh, I, I will say that like I was genuinely surprised by the ending. And if you're like me and you're going through the whole game, you're like, there's no story. What's going on? Just wait. You know, just just wait. It'll show up. Um, it all makes sense. And uh, the last thing I'll just mention is the game has that hub world, Waddle D Town. And a lot of that stuff's inconsequential, but it's also really fun. There's like this tilt and roll game where you move like the gyro of the controller, which is like that Kirby tilt and tumble game mm. uh, on the Game Boy Color. And like, it's mm. really oh, challenging, but it's yeah, really yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they like kind of make a new version of that, which yeah. is really fun. There's a Coliseum, uh, which I would recommend doing because there's even some story implications in there. And uh, yeah, no, Kirby is great. Highly, highly recommended. Um, I don't think it's worth like buying a Switch over, but I think like if you own a Switch, you've played stuff like Breath of the Wild, Mario, Mario Odyssey like that, you should then get Kirby and the Forgotten Land. It's a great platformer. It's a great game. It's also adorable. You can like wave at everyone, like hi, and then like everyone will wave back at you, like hi. I do love the idea of that one person who like has been waiting for what six years at this point, and they're like, no, Breath of the Wild. That's not why I'll get the Switch. Pokemon. They're like Kirby. That's the this one. The one. You, they, you know, there is someone that has been yeah. just patiently waiting mm-hmm. for their Kirby games. You know, I I am actually very excited 
for this Kirby game. I I adore Kirby. And the last Kirby game they did, yeah, not, Star uh, Allies, was yeah. not that great. I was pretty mm-hmm. disappointed in it. It just kind of felt like they were retreading. So I'm everything I've heard about this, like you talking about it and reading Steven's review, it sounds absolutely delightful. I'm so stoked for it. Yeah, oh, not, yeah. It's... No, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I've never played a Kirby game really in my life. Like outside of, like you said, some of the like spinoff things here and there, like the Game Boy Color mm-hmm. game. And even I'm like, oh, I probably want to pick this one up because it looks like right up my alley. Yeah. It's a shame yeah. it's coming out the exact same day as Ghostwire Tokyo, another game that I very, very much want to <laughs> nah, No, 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 no. It's all about Kirby. What about Tiny Forget... Tina's Wonderland? Come on. You got you to gotta get on that. <laughs> oh, we'll get to those. We'll get to those. <laughs> I remember the last time three big games came out on the same day that I was all like interested in and they all seemed to be much better when uh Mario Odyssey, Wolfenstein and Assassin's, Creed, Assassin's Origins. Creed Origins all came out on the same day. day and I'm like damn this is going to be hard. This time it's a much easier like decision <laughs> for wow. me on which of the games <laughs> wow, that I want wow, to wow. play. <laughs> Fair enough, though. I'm probably not going to get Ghostwire or Tiny Tina, at least at first. So I was all Kirby. I'm Put all my chips in on Kirby. It's um, a good game to put all your chips in on. Yeah, and I yeah. think... It's gotten like nothing but nines, I think, like across the board. Hey, so <laughs> it's coming for Elden Ring's throat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to you making that passionate argument during Game of the Year. I, you you just stare right in Tam's face and you tell I really, him. I really I look forward to everyone trying to make their Elden case Ring. while Tam just like stares people down like at the end of the year. Well, here's the thing. If, if it's true that Breath of the Wild 2 comes out this year, that just trumps everything. That's just like no that, Kirby, Beth, Elden Ring, who cares? No one cares. That would be an interesting face-off between Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild Yeah. Oh, it would be super interesting, and I would have to immediately mute Twitter because it would just. Turn <laughs> it would be the worst thing ever. <laughs> I want to hear all of my, the interesting takes from my friends and my coworkers, and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> but what if we also have bad takes, John Luke? Well, then you know what. Game of the year is one two three switch, the sequel to one two switch. Let's go. <laughs> Nintendo Switch Sports is gonna take it this year. Yes, they have volleyball. Yes. Now. I, I am legitimately excited for Switch Sports. Can we just say I am so stoked to do some bowling in my house? Oh my god. Did you guys play the the online test that they did to like test out I the I didn't no. it was honestly no. good. Like the bowling has like this like tw- I forget how many people, like a competition mode. It's really cool. Uh, we have a promising. GameSpot bowling tournament. Let's oh do God, it. Oh Let's do I'm it. I'm here for that. <laughs> Hell yeah. 100%. Can you be a furry in that one? Didn't they add? You can be a furry <laughs> in anything if you really yeah, try. I guess so. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, but like, you know, in my heart, I can be a furry, but I just need that. I need that that representation on the screen. Well, then, then you, should get the, seems you like... should get the new Sonic controllers, which uh, I'm very excited yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> really you actually... Can you actually buy those, or is that just like a gimmick I think giveaway? It's, I kind think of it's thing? a gimmick giveaway, but I, I legitimately, I would never use it, but I want it. <laughs> I mean, I can go to the Michaels yeah, and I to. can buy some some feathers and I can glue them to my controller and make it happen. <laughs> like we can, we can do this. I'll just it's make cool my too, own. Then. That Xbox, the ring around the S, is a golden ring, and I was like, man, I really want that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is great. Legitimate Etsy business idea. If someone was like. 
Give me, give me your furry OC, and I will make a controller <laughs> theme based on your your furry. That has, that has to ex- that. that has to exist. I would. I, I agree. Would it probably exist? is already there. I'm sure Someone if we googled it, it's probably there. I'm not going to Google it because I'm worried <laughs> about what might pop up. You could use but... those little sequences to make like scales if you're like a scaly. Like there's there's so many options. I, I'm telling you, someone I'm... who's like craftier than me could could make this a legitimate business thing. I'm into it. Imagine like a Bowser controller, but like the back is just all spikes and it's just like hard <laughs> it really holes. Hurts. And you're like, oh my God. Uh, ow, uh. the ultimate Elden Ring experience. It hurts <laughs> the tighter I hold the controller. Oh my gosh. I'm here for it. But no, knowing the furry community, because I do have some friends that are involved in it, so no shame, no shame to the furry community. I'm sure that exists. It has to. It has to. <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, Evan, you've also been playing Persona for the Ultimax Ultra Suplex Hold. This is true. I like that. Is that a its lot Japanese better. title? Yes, or that it is, is. Okay. Japanese title, and it is so much better. <laughs> I just than had yeah. to be sure. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. I love Japanese titles of things like Dream Drop Distance or like wh- whatever nonsense they just toss on stuff. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. No, I remember when they announced it. Uh, in, in for the Japanese, and I was like, that's an amazing title, and I was like, there's no way they're going to keep it. Yeah, of course they did. It's just... <laughs> well, like... for Arena Ultimax, eh, that's fine, I guess. I guess that makes more branding sense. Yeah, Ooh. like, P4AU, I get it, you can shorten it to that. But, like, Suplex is a wrestling move, right? Am I right about that? It is! Yeah, I like that, even though and it's not a wrestling game. the cover was literally, like, I guess... It was like, I guess, suplexing you, Narukami, or something like that. It, it was one of the Persona characters suplexing the other Persona characters, and it was incredible. I was like, that's an incredible cover. Please give me that. I know. And then we got, I think the American one is just like you wearing like that championship belt, and he's just like yeah, standing it's, there. Yeah, it's also pretty good. Um, it's, oh, yeah, yeah. It's got like, I think the Persona 3 characters on one side and the Persona 4 characters yeah. like on the other. Yeah, it looks great. And I think um, there's a reversible cover that has all the shadow versions of them, too, ooh. which is cool. Well, unfortunately, they didn't make a physical release of the remaster here in the States. They just did Bummer. digital only. Um, but yes, I have been playing Persona 4, the Ultimax Ultra Suplex Hold. Um, I am horrible at fighting games, <laughs> and I have been getting my ass kicked <laughs> hardcore online. I find I'm okay with Yukiko and Junpei. I I could somewhat hold okay, my own with those two? two. Yeah. Do you understand Junpei's weird baseball mechanics? No, but he's got a little okay. range with that baseball bat, which I like. Um, <laughs> Junpei has this like bizarre mechanic where something about like the more balls you hit, like you, there there is a literal like baseball diamond in the corner that will like count like how many like strikes and outs he's gotten hmm. in his move set and that like leads to some more charged up moves it's completely insane i have no <laughs> idea how it works but i just love the idea of like he's a baseball character so let's add this insane mechanic where like you have to keep track of how many like strikes you've gotten in the middle of this fighting game <laughs> yeah this, like fuck? that kind of stuff just like way over my head with any fighting game like i mm. you know what junpei's got the bat he can hit pretty far with the bat i can hit people with that i like it that's see, enough yeah. for me see, uh, i fighting... also like oh. no go ahead no no you go you you i was gonna say i also like yosuke a little bit because he's got those uh throwing knives um Kunai, uh, yeah yeah so um i like i like that but anyways um were you gonna say Jesse? Oh, I was gonna say my fighting style is just doing Hadouken over and over and over again in games or whatever the equivalent <laughs> is, and just okay, that's okay. and then just crying, and that's that's really about it. <laughs> I like it. I'm into yeah. it. Like I was say I loved strategy. it when Red Hood was added to Injustice 2. I'm like, oh, a character who has guns who can just yeah, shoot people yeah. from far away. Excellent. Oh yep, that was me and Death <laughs> Like, oh, oh. yes, I remember the online was 
nightmare <laughs> for that game. Um, yeah, so anyways, I suck at the fighting part of it, and I knew that going into this, but the reason sure. I wanted this game, and I didn't even know this before the remaster was announced, I did a little digging, this is not only a, like a, is it canon? I don't know if it's canon, but it's a sequel to Persona 4 and Persona 3? It is, uh, and it, I believe it is canon. Um, and it has both story modes, right? For both, yes. both games? Yes, yes, it, yes. Which is, which is cool, yeah. How, uh, how far are you in this? So I'm making my way through the first arena story, um, okay. and I haven't touched Ultimax yet, but I'll be completely honest, I'm not the biggest fan, and I think it's a good story. It's the way mm. it's structured that I have a big issue yes. with. Yes, okay, yes. Um, that's, that's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah, because the way it's structured, for those who don't know, is you basically play the same story over and over again with like 12 mm -hmm. different characters. Some of them have variations. Yeah. I really like the new character a lot and like their story mode. And I won't like spoil who that is. I think that character in and of itself is a spoiler. But um, basically, a lot of the characters, you're going through the exact same story over and over and over again. And it doesn't help that like... It's just, it's a uh, visual novel style, like cutouts and text. So it's like, you're basically going through the same thing and you see like different characters perspectives on it, but it doesn't really change. So when like characters are trying to like figure out what's happening, it's like, I know what's happening already. I've been through this like three times already. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's like, they wanted to do that whole like arcade mode style. Like, oh, you pick your character and you go through their like story mode. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's like, it's simultaneously you're repeating content. But then also they change content, which makes it annoying yes. because you're like, what's the canon version of this story? If this is supposed to be a sequel, there needs like what actually happened. I don't know. This is confusing and annoying. And I, I agree with you 100 uh, percent because the one exception is like the uh, other character, the, the, the original character. Who, yes. Actually, she's she's technically not original. She was originally revealed in a uh, Persona 3 uh, like audio book. Really? Something? Yeah, she huh. was in some. There, there's some weird Persona Three like side thing that she was act apparently first referenced in. Fun little trivia for you. Interesting. Uh, but her thing's good because her thing is like actually like her story is completely separate from everything else. Yes. So it's like and, and it's really good. It's like a genuine like I mm -hmm. actually cried at the end of her story mode. I was like, oh my god, this game. Um, but yeah, it's weird because it's a sequel to Persona Four. Um. I'm curious how you feel, because at the time when it came out, I remember it being such a big deal, because I didn't know if we were ever going to get, like, any sort of follow-up to Persona 4. Mm. So when they announced that game, and they were like, not only is it a fighting game based on your favorite characters of all time, but it's also a continuation of their story, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever made, and I love this. <laughs> um, but looking back on it now, we're like, we've had, like, so many Persona 4 spinoffs, like, the magic of that yeah. has worn off. And as much as I do like it, it's also where a lot of, like, their weird, like, flanderization of some of the characters kind of starts to creep in. Yeah. Where it's like, we're just going to kind of repeat the same jokes over and over, and the characters don't feel like they're developing, even though it is a sequel. Um, yeah, like, I uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on a prior podcast where I've just talked to you about this, John Luke, but, like, I hated the Persona 4 dancing story. Like, that story mode was That one's, gen that one's awful. genuinely bad. That was so... <laughs> genuinely like, I terrible. love... <laughs> That game, I still play the Persona dancing games, like all three of them. I think mm -hmm. they're excellent. And I really like how they changed it to social links in three and five. But the four story mode was so bad and it was like bafflingly bad. But then like, I think for someone like me who like came into Persona with Persona 5, I've been kind of spoiled because like 
Persona 5 Strikers is an incredible spin-off sequel follow-up yeah. to that game. It's so, it's how you should do it because it yeah. actually advances the characters and like has like a really in my opinion, like a, a genuinely great story with some really good moments. Yeah, and like, you know, Persona 5 Strikers also takes the time to highlight characters like Haru who are kind of like mm. taking a back seat in the, at least the original Persona 5. So it's like, to me, I'm like, that's the... So it's like for Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, I love it because it's like they brought in the older versions of the Persona 3 characters with the Persona 4 characters. And for stuff like Persona Q and Q2, it's just like all the teenage versions mm. of them coming together in some weird time vortex. But yeah, um, with this, it's like you see grown up versions, at least in I know the other characters come in Ultimax, but like in Arena, it's like Mitsuru and Akihiko and I guess, you know, I guess this doesn't age because she's a robot. But it's like um, <laughs> it, it, I it, like I like seeing that. And I mm-hmm. the other part about Arena story that I don't love is that you get cliffhanger endings unless you like do them in a certain order to unlock the full clear. And like I had to look up yeah. a guide. And it's like you have mm-hmm. to beat a Persona mm-hmm. 4 character story to a cliffhanger, then another Persona 4 character to a cliffhanger, then a Persona 3 character to a cliffhanger, then you have to finish new character story, then you can full complete a Persona 4 <laughs> character, then you could. It's like, what is yeah. going on? Because I did it that way, so I played Mitsuru as like my first Persona 3 character. I was like, this story's more interesting. But I'm like, but mm-hmm. then if I play Akihiko and I guess it's going to be the same story over again. Um, and it's just, yeah. But like going through the story... I'm not the biggest fan of how it's structured. I think that's... I, I like the yeah. story itself. I'm more not into how it's structured. I'm still going through yes. it. Like, I'm playing Yosuke's story right now, and it's like... he's It's it's nice. One thing I do really like about it is that the protagonist of Persona 4 actually speaks, and hearing his that, interaction with characters, I, I like be- that a lot. I believe that was the first time they officially gave him, like, a, a proper name and a voice, because it was around the time the anime came out, and I think that's when they decided, like, here's okay. his name and here's his, his voice. I remember that being, like, jarring, but, like... You get used to it pretty quick, and it feels like they actually gave him, like, a real personality. Yeah, like, there's a part where, like, Yosuke and and you are talking, and it's just, like, you can see why, like, they're so close. And he's, like, why Yosuke Mm -hmm. calls him a partner. And it's, like, you don't really get this in the base game because the way the main games are structured outside of, like, the female protagonist in Portable is, like, they're blank slates. They're just, like, you pick the dialogue for them. They don't really have much of a personality. Um, So I really like that about... Um, arena in that sense that and i won't like spoil it but the 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 voice for the english dub of the protagonist is the same with someone else and it keeps throwing me off i'm like that's (laughs) very weird to me it's because he was the voice in the the original game but only like like the uh, the battle uh, dialogue uh, yeah (laughs) they they do a really good job of that they actually do some kind of interesting with the anime it's like the one good part of the anime. The anime is actually not that good, in my opinion. But. Yeah, like, I haven't seen it. I watched the Persona 5 anime, though, and I hated it. So I was like, I don't know if I'm going to watch yeah, the Persona 4 Yeah, I, I liked the 4 anime better, but it, that might just be, again, it was like the novelty of it at the time. was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, it's like Persona 4. Again, my favorite game, but anime. But, like, looking back on it, uh, they do they they do, they do do some stuff pretty dirty, especially characters like Kanji. I remember they, like, really mess up. And yeah. I hated it about it. Um yeah, I I will be curious to see how you feel about the Ultimax story mode because they simultaneously improved a lot of it but still messed up a couple things. So it's only two two stories. They're, right, it's, it's the it's, two perspectives, right? The like, two perspectives. It's the four characters' perspectives and the three characters' perspectives. And so you don't get this thing where you're repeating content all the time. That's good. However, <laughs> the two three and four story modes are different different events happen so they still don't do that whole like which ones actually canon thing i thought they were gonna they were gonna make it like actually cohesive and then they like didn't and i was still disappointed by that 
Mm. But I do like that they introduced the rest of the three cast in yes. uh, in Ultimax because I do think the seeing the three cast older is like genuinely the best part about these games. It, it feels like you're actually getting an evolution of those characters versus the four characters where they feel like a little stuck in like time because it's only like technically a month after the end of like Persona Four, so yes. they, nothing's happened to them. Yeah, um, I would hope if they end up doing a Persona 5 Arena that they do have the aged up Persona 4 cast as like, if, you know, they don't necessarily need all three, four and five, that might be too many characters. But like if they did nah, five, fine. listen, I would love even older Persona 3 characters. You know, I want to see 30 year old Mitsuru, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it might make more sense to just do like a little bit older Persona Because yeah. like Persona 4 dancing, I think that takes place like a little while after for like a year or something it's, and they're like a little a older year, it's a year after i think it takes place around like the golden epilogue okay so yeah it's supposed to be a year later yeah right so like even a little bit older than that because like persona 5 is like 2016 i want to say and then yeah. persona 4 is 2011 so like five years later you know like the persona 4 cast i would like mm -hmm. to see that if they did a persona 5 arena but uh yeah i think that's my favorite part of this too and like i've played as june play i've june june play june pay i've played as yukari um, in like the multiplayer modes, like I want to see yeah. their story because like Yukari's like a Featherman Ranger, and I know like yep. Futaba loves she's, Featherman she's, Rangers she's the, and Five, and I'm like, oh, there's a cute connection right there. She she is playing the in-universe version of the Pink Power Ranger, which is great. Yeah, is like she's like got a role as like a on like a TV show. I love that. I know. I'm, I want to see that. I want to see that story <laughs> unfold, but I'm like, mm -hmm. I am not there yet. I have to get through 30, 40 hours of the same story <laughs> over and over again before I can get there. I'm so sorry. That's oh, okay. <laughs> I need yeah. I need to play Persona games because I my eyes just glazed yes. over for that entire conversation. I kept looking I'm back right at you two and you. I'm like I'm I'm so sorry. Yeah, I apologize too. No, it's, it's one of those weird things where I'm like, oh, listening to Persona fans talk about Persona, I'm like, oh, this must be what it's like when I talk about Assassin's Creed and I'm talking about these <laughs> things that are like so so good and like these one like storyline <laughs> stuff like that. I'm like that are terrible and I'm going off on this tangent. I'm like. I probably make no sense mm. right now because there's like 14 games like in the mm. series of like six of which are like spinoffs that aren't like mandatory. And then there's a bunch of comic books and like some TV shows and like, and it's all connected. And have, everyone's wait, like, have you listened to the audible audio drama? Don't forget the audible audio drama that exists, <laughs> <laughs> Look, which I have also listened to. <laughs> Persona games are easy. You just have to play three 100 hour JRPGs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you gotta play, like, the right one, like, you know, you gotta play, there's three versions of Persona 3, you know? Like, okay, yeah, Persona right 3 is kind of a mess, because it's, like, there's actually no definitive version of that game. It's it's kind of frustrating, because I want to recommend, like, it's, like, Fez is, like, the better produced ver like, it's got, like, the better production values, but then, like, Portable has, like, the female character route, which is, like, way better written, yes. and has way more interesting social links, and is, like, one of the best protagonists they've ever written. Ah, uh, it's, yes. I will say for me, There's as a whole a, rabbit hole we could go down. As a modern Persona boy, someone that came in at Persona Five, I gave up mm. on Fest, but I did play through Portable. Like I like Portable a lot better, just because of its gameplay tweaks. And you the, might you know, as well just be right. talking a different language right now. I know, man. but I hey, did listen, not understand a single thing. You do just this: said. <laughs> play Persona Five Royal, 
right? And then listen mm-hmm. to the spoiler cast we did on this feed, right? And then, and then go play Persona 4 Golden. Then play Persona 4 Golden on Steam, and then <clears throat> emulate <clears throat> Persona 3 Portable, because they <laughs> uh, never ported me. it. Uh, excuse me, yeah. Persona 4 Golden on Vita is what I would play it on. That's probably. fine, too. Yeah. Hey, that's fair. Yeah, that's, that's also fine. valid. You can't buy it at Best Buy. You can't go to Best Buy and get a Vita, but if you want to go that route, that's cool. I have my Best Buy and my PSP and my Game Gear, so, you know, there you, you want to come at me? I got my portable wow. Perfect. Persona whatever, 3 Portable on your works. PSP. Persona 4 Golden on your Vita, Persona 5 Royal on your PS4 or 5. Perfect. You're, you got it, Jesse. You can do it. Then play, you know, Persona 5 Strikers, the spinoff, then both arena games, and then the dancing games, and then the Q games only on 3DS. And then yeah, it's not like all- there's like 12 different games already <laughs> that came ridiculous. out this year that we have to all play. <laughs> also, you got to go back and play Persona 1 and then the duology for 2, which is two right. separate games. Yeah. But the, the, the remake of 2 on PSP, only one of them came to the West. The oh other one never oh was localized. Yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. yeah, there's a whole world out there. It's not yeah. like Yakuza. I respect Yakuza. They remastered and remade all the games, made them all readily yeah. available on one system. Well, they're on multiple systems now. But then you got Persona over here that's like, you want to play all our games? Fuck you. <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah, yeah it works. This, this, yeah, do, this work does work. bring up an interesting point, though, that I've like always wanted to like uh, dissect in like some way. And I'm like, I'm not even sure if there is a right answer for this. There comes a point in most franchises' lives where it's like they have existed for such a long time mm-hmm. that asking someone to get into them is like a multi-hundred hour time sink. <laughs> like so many times people come up to me and like, oh, Jordan, I want to get into Assassin's Creed. Where do I start? And I'm like, I don't have a good answer I for did- you. And I'm like. Yeah, like I at some si- point, like with Yakuza, like I would love to play Yakuza. I'm like, I don't have time to play seven Yakuza games. I don't. I simply do not. Like I want <laughs> but what to, if you did? but I yeah. don't. And I so it paralyzes me from even like starting. And there's so many franchises like that. And I'm I like, did the Man. same thing recently on on my own YouTube channel. I did a video about getting people into Star Trek. And it's literally, an, it's an hour long video where I like go through, it's like, all right, you can go this way and it's a little bit sexist and a little bit 1960s. It's fine. Or you could start over here and it just gets crazy and wonky and weird stuff happens. I don't even understand. Yeah. That's kind of how Persona is too, where it's like, yeah. you almost have to take like a personality quiz to like determine like which one you should play. Like, all right, what, what vibe do you like? What kind of characters? Like, are you a little more emo? You should probably play like two or three. Do you like a little more poppy J-pop? Are you a little more gay? You should maybe play four, but also it's like 2008 gay. So it's like progressive, but it's not that progressive by today's standards. Like, yeah. There's a whole thing about it. Yeah. <laughs> it like eventually gets to the point where I almost want like more developers to be like, and it's over. It's done. There won't <laughs> be anymore, which will, back. of course, will never happen because, like, Ubisoft's never okay. going to be like, no more Assassin's Creed. Bioware's never going to be like, no more Mass Effect, even though, like, on the top of my head, I'm like, just make a new, new franchise, new characters, <laughs> new lore, new universe, so that new people well, we can, like, get do, into it. But it just dig it up sell. and beat it and then drag it out in front of everyone to see its rotted corpse for money. <laughs> <laughs> because a part of me is like well what if there was a game that was basically everything that persona was but it was just like 
completely different universe and set of rules and it was like and this is this the new first one you don't have to have played any of the old persona well, games but in isn't that what final it. fantasy is to a degree essentially so- yes what final <laughs> fantasy is yes so, so persona i would say actually kind of does work that way it is all yeah. technically in the same universe however every story is completely standalone and does not actually require any investment in previous games so you really can Technically, but I do know that most of them have references back to but, the old well, they're material. Not, they're not but major. They're, they're not, but they're I, not yeah. what you think. You can't like, not more, know the it's references. It's more just like, come on. It's like... Well, no, I... Because I, I could argue, John Luke, that Assassin's Creed Valhalla is completely separate from Assassin's Creed 2, which it is. It only has references to Assassin's Creed 2. That said, your enjoyment of Valhalla is immeasurably more if you have played... A Pers- lot of the older Assassin's Creed games. Persona's not like that. It's it, not like that. There, the spin-offs, yes. If you want to enjoy the spin-offs, you need like advanced knowledge. But like for the main games, three, four, five, because like I played five first, and I went backwards. I played four, then three, and like at not any point was there like, oh, I wish I had knew this before five. Like there are like the tiniest of little like, yeah. You like click on the TV, and it'll be like, oh, Yukari is the new. Pink Ranger, and you're like, that's a cute little reference, but it's like, if you don't know that, it really does not matter at all. Yeah, it, it'll literally be like, this character is like doing this and this. Like, they'll like interview a character, and yeah, it's like, like if the you know who that character is, like, oh, you'll cool. like get the joke, but it's like, that is 100% it. Like, and those are optional things. Those are not like part of the main story. It's like, you have to go out of your way to find those things. So, the main Persona titles, you could play those without any others. It's the, you get to the spinoffs. Like, you can't play Persona 4 Arena without playing 3 and 4. You can't yeah. play Persona <laughs> Q. Yeah. But, like, I will say... Definitely not Q. Oh, my God, no. Yeah, I, I've I'm going to playing... start with Q now. That's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going <laughs> to start with Q2. No, start with Q2, actually. That one's even wild. Q is one of those rabbit hole games where I played Q, because Q is purely fan service. It is, like, just in... It's, it's basically, like, high-quality, like, Atlas-approved fan fiction, and it's glorious. <laughs> and, and it's, like... It's so niche because it's not even, it doesn't even play like a Persona play game. It plays like an Etrian Odyssey game, which is like an obscure JRPG series on like the 3DS. And it's like, if you are a person who somehow played both Persona 4 and Persona 3 and Persona 5 and also likes Etrian Odyssey style dungeon crawling, this is literally the greatest game ever made. But that is like two <laughs> percent of like your audience. Like it's the most insane thing so ever. So that two percent is probably so ravenously excited. I, <laughs> oh, yes. I, I was. I, yeah, it was like my game of the year when it came out. I was like, this is the greatest game ever made. The <laughs> see, the I want I want to pitch that as a video now, where I just am like, I'm gonna start with the most just the most required knowledge video game of this series, and just like try to extrapolate what the hell. Try to understand. Here. I would love that as a series if, if you did that, that for multiple because there are multiple franchises where mm-hmm. there's like one entry where it's like yeah just throw me the in the furthest deep end one. yeah let's start with Final Fantasy 13 3 Lightning Returns just start <laughs> there and we're going yep. yep wow <laughs> Woo. The uh the one thing about Persona specifically though is that like a lot of times they'll release the spinoffs on like consoles where the main game isn't which is just so bizarre where it's like they put Persona oh 5 Strikers on Switch Without Persona 5, they put Persona 4 Arena on Switch and PS4. Without Persona 4 or 3, like, the Q games are only on 3DS, yeah. but you can't play the main games. It's like, they actively put the spinoffs on as many consoles as possible, 
but then put the main games that you need to play on very specific platforms. And it's like, what yeah. are you doing? Persona 4 Arena originally came out on the Xbox 360, and at the time, that game only existed on the PS2. And I think <laughs> the, I don't think the golden version on Vita had even come out yet. It was coming out like later that year or something. Perfect, <laughs> like, excellent. It's, it's so bizarre. They like actively are like, here's a spinoff. You need multiple games of knowledge to play. Better buy a PS2 to but, know what the hell is going on. I feel like that's a lot of, like, maybe, maybe I'm just painting with a broad brush here, but I feel like that's a lot of Japanese video games, like, franchises. Like, American video game franchises and Western video game franchises feel like, oh, we'll try and make it as welcoming as possible for each entry. Whereas Japanese games are just like, nah, here's your list of homework that you need to play in order to even <laughs> understand and approach this game. Yeah, it's it's mm -hmm. uh, it, being a Persona fan post Persona Five has just been like mental gymnastics of being like, how do I <laughs> properly do all of this? And how do you explain to people? How do you get them into it? How do you again? You just gotta come. Someone's gotta come up with like a like a quiz that you can take, like a like a BuzzFeed style. Like you take this and it determines like this is your this is your Persona game you should play first. Yeah. It well, should be like but you, you understand how you broken that sounds, me. right? You already sold me. Like, there should be a quiz to figure out where to start in this franchise. Here's like, a quiz. Here's a personality uh, quiz. You already sold me at problematic early 2000s gays. That's all I needed. As a Life is Strange yes. fan, yes. problematic early 2000s gay is Man, is, okay. is all I need to hear. Excellent, yeah. excellent. I start playing Golden. I I look forward to hearing about it. Here's the quiz. Games of all time. Do you own a PC or PS4? Depending on your answer, four or five. That's it. <laughs> the answer That's true. is that both. That is the actual quiz. Uh, How do you feel about emulation? I'm fine with it. I have no problem with it. Right, I, I mean, think. I'm I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. As a games journalist <laughs> I who only plays approved things, I have no I'm, idea what you're talking about. I'm fine with it if you can't purchase the game anymore. That's where I draw the line. Where it's like sure. with something like Persona 3 Portable unless you own like a really old system you can only buy secondhand then like then i'm okay with it but it's like i'm not going to emulate a ps4 game like i can buy that from the store like mm -hmm. that's unfair because it's currently I like how you just that's described like 70 percent of nintendo's like <laughs> listen <laughs> i'm a nintendo like... fan but their their treatment of old games i hate i am like for me i want every zelda on the switch like that would just be but like the way they've done it is like it's only on the switch online that you need online to access and to pay for. And one day they'll take that down. Like all that save data is probably going to go pop. And it's like, but then you can play like Skyward Sword HD and Link's Awake. It's like, just why is this such? And like Metroid, Metroid Dread was marketed mm -hmm. as Metroid 5. They specifically were like, this is mm -hmm. the fifth entry. It's a continuation of the story. And then you've got Nintendo of America over here, like promoting like Metroid 1 and Super Nintendo. Because they're like, we know the fans <laughs> yeah. want that. But Nintendo of Japan are like... Just go buy a Game Boy Advance in a used retro store. Why is that so hard for you people? Why is it so hard to find a cartridge of a game? Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo of America literally had like a tweet thread going where they were like going through the history and they'd yes. be like, you can pick this up over here on the 3DS. -ish. And then they got to Fusion and there was just nothing. Like <laughs> They just like didn't have anything it to say. Makes me so sad. <laughs> and everyone's like, and where like can you play Fusion, like Nintendo? Where? That's the one that has the most the... out of all of them, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the rest the Fusion was the actual important one to play <laughs> before Dread. Like, <laughs> if you have the 3DS Ambassador program, if you bought a 3DS, that's bullshit. Of it. <laughs> like, then only like Fusion. a couple thousand people were a part of that program. If you bought a 3DS for two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> between the months of March and August 2011, then you can play Metroid. And it's like and they made Game Boy Advance tops, and you'll get. <laughs> 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 they made Game. 
Game Boy Advance games work on the 3DS and then just like never did anything with it. And it's like you proved you could do it. That's what? insane. I That's just insane I mean, I still heard. I can still have my Game Boy I don't have a Game Boy Advance anymore, but I have the Game Boy Advance like connector for my GameCube. So that's mm. actually how mm. I replayed Fusion before. <laughs> Damn, I missed that I mean, cable. Well, the Wii U, a Wii U Virtual Console, that's the, one of the only reasons I still keep it plugged in, because it's got like a, mm. such a robust Virtual Console that's like well, a DS and Game Boy Advance. I know, it's going offline. That store's Rip. going offline. <laughs> Make sure but, it's like you have it. It is yeah, on like, the system. It is a big problem with like game preservation that it's just becoming more and more yeah. of an issue the further mm. we get. No. Yes. It's one of those weird things where, like, on one hand, I'm like, oh, I love Nintendo for being like, we just don't give a shit what other people are doing and what they think. We do our own thing because I'm like, it leads to, like, some pretty, like, unique and fun games that come on Nintendo's consoles. And at the same time, I'm like, I really wish you did look at Xbox and you did care what they were doing and like, hmm, their backwards compatibility program. We could probably do something like that. I'm like, please, like, I just want you to care as much as Xbox does. I want everyone to care as much as Xbox does. I'm yeah. still angry that they didn't put Super Mario Galaxy 2 on uh, on yes. that collection, because that's the only one I haven't played, because I played all the other three, and I'm like, oh, I'll finally be able to play Galaxy 2, because I missed that when it came out, and nope. Nope, I guess I will just sit here and wait. <laughs> that was such a, like, we, like that's the other part of it, too, right? Like, they proved, like, GameCube emulation and Wii emulation works on the yeah. Switch mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, like, they bundled those three games. And there was also, like, Super Mario 64 DS, which is, like, the better version of that game. Mm-hmm. And, like, they could have made that in HD. And it's, like, they didn't put Galaxy Wario. 2. It's already 10 out of 10. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> yes. W, big W, you know? And then, like... <laughs> It was just that whole collection was, and then they like took it offline after like six months. It was like, what, what even? And then they didn't do one for Zelda at the very least. So it was like, you could have at least done one. I was just, what? <laughs> I get so frustrated thinking about these things because again, like they make Kirby the best Kirby game, Breath of the Wild, best Zelda, Mario Odyssey, best Mario, and then they just like their back yeah. catalog is just whatever. Makes happened me, to Mother three. It makes me so sad that there's gonna be like some like eight nine year old kid who like they got like a Switch, like their parent got them a Switch, and they're gonna play this new Kirby game and be like. That was the greatest thing ever. Dad, can you show me more of these Kirby games? He's like, I can't. Like, I, I just... like Star Allies, the shitty one, the other Switch one. And Nintendo did do an amazing Kirby collection for their, I think, 20th yes. or 25th anniversary on the Wii. On the Wii. It's, it's an incredible collection. It has like all the old games, has a bunch of like art. It's, it's so good. They've never re-released that. So it's nope. like, unless you don't have a Wii in that disc... I'm just, out of luck there. I'm just holding out hope that we'll get a Metroid Prime collection at the very least oh at some God. point. They need to do that. I'm Nintendo sure, I'm doesn't sure realize the closer, hundreds but. of dollars I would throw at them if they brought Metroid, Zelda, Pokemon, and Kirby, all their old games, to uh, Switch. Like, I know, if they just had all do. these collections, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you want $600 for this? Bet. Yeah. Here. Like, <laughs> Seriously, yes. if they put it out and had it be like a $100 game, I would pay it. Like, fine, take my money. I've seen uh, rumors that people were saying that, like, they're going to remake Metroid Prime 1 for the 20th anniversary this year. And it's like, what? Just, what is this? Like, you're making four. You're just going to have one on the Switch (laughs) and then four? Like, what is this? Yes, Evan, that's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be one and four and not two (laughs) and three. I just want it to be two. Like, they're just going to remake two and they don't bother to remake one and three. (laughs) You get to start midway through the Prime storyline and not see how it finishes, but then we'll skip ahead to how it will actually finish. And (laughs) 
That feels like the appropriate way to play oh the game. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Incredible. Well, boy, do we sure go off tangent on this podcast. <laughs> that's honestly, that's great. Uh, I think Arena, very good game. Excellent yes. fighting game. Yes. Uh, I just suck at it. That's okay. I, I, I love that game as a fighting game. It, it's like the. It's, I would say it's the game that like really got me into like wanting to learn how to get better at fighting games. And I was like, mm. I'm going to learn how to play Chie because she's my favorite character ever. So I'm going to uh, god hand everyone to death. And it's excellent. <laughs> uh, and uh, all right. Well, uh, let's move on then. Uh, Jesse, it looks like you've been playing a little game called Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes, it's the game that Elden Ring forgot. Uh, so <laughs> I, I've been really liking it. So I, I I just finished. We can we can also have this conversation. But I was just finished Dark Souls two finally for the first time. Nice. nice. And so I was like, I didn't want to jump right from Dark Souls two into Elden Ring because that felt weird. Because uh, then I'd be able to jump, and that just feels wrong. Um, so I decided to go into Horizon Zero Dawn and play that first for a while, and I'm really loving it. Like. I, I feel like I've Wait, a lot Zero of... Dawn or Forbidden West? Sorry, Forbidden Ju- West. For... Okay, I just so, wanted to be sure. Horizon, like, <laughs> Horizon it, I mean, it is it is the same game, just slightly upgraded. <laughs> oh, wait, are you playing Forbidden West? Sorry, I meant, I meant Forbidden West is what I meant, Okay, you, you, you totally wrote down Zero Dawn. I so did, I did. I meant Forbidden West. It's, it, but it's, to Jesse's point, they it, are very similar games, they are like. ve- They are basically you just one right after the other. And dig, but it's still, it's still really good. I really love it. Mm. I'm loving the lore and the way that it's like built out. Um, I've just mm-hmm. gotten to the part I don't, without spoiling like where the other half of the map opens up after like mm. the, the one story beat that you get to um and it's i just really think it's a it's a lot of fun like the world looks gorgeous the storyline is a lot of fun the characters all feel very fleshed out um it's not anything new but i i kind of have been liking it because there's been a lot of like uh chat after elden ring came out with people saying like open um open worlds are need to like completely change in terms of like giving you less direction, less checklist of things to do. But honestly, I actually kind of like the, the checklist of things to do when it's, when it's done well, Ubisoft is just sort of like, they just give you a billion things and only like two of them are interesting. Whereas like here, pretty much everything is interesting and fun to do. And I enjoy right. going and just checking off the things on the list and getting to explore the world and getting to see what's out there. Um, and so I've been, I've been really, really enjoying it on that front. Plus the combat is just a lot of fun. Just getting to shoot and tear off things. I, I just really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, gorge, gorgeous looking game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. I I probably will do what I did with the original, which was um, I played like a little bit of it, immediately dropped it when Breath of the Wild came back or it came out, <laughs> and then I picked it back up like in like the summer, later in the year and mm-hmm. went through and played all of it. So I kind of already did the same thing where I played like a little bit, immediately dropped it. And I'm like, all right, I'll see you in August. Horizon, <laughs> it'll you, be a good time. You'll come back. You're you're yeah. the you're the in between things game. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I am also doing that. I got to the part where the second half of the map opens up. I'm like, oh, the story's getting really interesting now. And then Tam Bye. just messaged me over Slack, and he's like, hey, by the way, I'm gonna give Elden Ring a ten out of ten. I'm like, well. I guess I'll come back to this game <laughs> at some point. <laughs> that, that I had the opposite reaction because, like I said, I beat Dark Souls 2 because I, I was going through those games. If anyone watched my uh, video I did on Dark Souls 1, played that for the first time. Mm-hmm. was like, all right, I'm going to play Dark Souls 2. I'm going to get through that. And I was going to try and get through the rest. And that just took me forever. And then I started Elden Ring and I'm like, oh, God, this is just going to be the rest of my life with this game. <laughs> so, so I just, I need a buffer between all of the from software stuff Fair. to like, just give myself a break from it. What'd you think of dark souls two? Cause that is 
probably the most divisive in in the community. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of valid like, perspectives on both sides when it comes mm-hmm. to him. Honestly, I I really enjoyed it. I I understand. My take on it is I think I appreciate a lot of the things that it tried to do. Like, it is very Mm -hmm. different after Dark Souls 1, where instead of it being a very continuous world, it is like an entire continent. It is much more like it's still connected together, but obviously the different places are much more stretched out and don't make as much geographical, logical sense as Dark Souls 1. But I kind of found it still interesting to play that. And then I also appreciated uh, some of the ways that it tried to add challenge into it, like... um, like lowering your health after you die instead of like keeping mm-hmm. it the same. However, I think like my biggest frustration with it is not that it experimented because I actually think a lot of the ways that it experimented with things were were well worth trying. And even if they ended up failing and, and don't get brought forward into other games, which I don't know because I haven't played them, um, they were at least worth doing. However, I think what makes Dark Souls 2 not as uh, good at in my mind, is it's not as cohesive because a lot of the choices that they make, while interesting, kind of work counterintuitive to each other. I think yeah. most directly the way I can sort of describe that is, like I said, the game sort of, whenever you die, your health bar decreases unless you use like human effigies to bring it back up, which would then seem to me like they're encouraging you like getting good, like you need to practice, you need to get really, really good at it so you don't take a single hit no matter what. And so it's all about practice, 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 and like memorizing and just really rehearsing the stages. But then at the same time, it will toss random encounters at you. Uh, Like even if you're offline, it'll have like invaders come in that will just come and wreck your shit. Um, And then it'll also be incredibly difficult to not even get hit at all. Um, And it often feels like very unfair and bullshitty, which is not which is not a bad thing necessarily in this genre, but because it's mixing with this sort of des- design of like you have to practice and get good or else you'll like lose your health, it just seems counterintuitive to each other. So mm-hmm. it's like these are good ideas in, in, in isolation, but brought together in this game, it just feels very, very frustrating. So I see why it's so, uh, so controversial in entry. I still think it's, it's still a really good game. But I still mm. think I I think I understand why people are very uh, down on it overall. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look into the history of that game and you realize that that game actually had a very messy development. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I believe the original one of the original directories was actually like booted from the project like partway through, and they kind of had to like it, it, it came together really quick. And I mm-hmm. think that is maybe why like some of the geographical stuff doesn't make sense, and maybe why some of the systems don't work. And from that perspective, I almost look at it from like a glass you know half full like Mm -hmm. it's kind of amazing that game came together as good as it did just from what it sounds like but yeah i I tend to agree with you um i remember just like not being bothered by like that it was different from dark souls one but just being frustrated in in some of it yeah it changes in mechanics and i remember just some of the i I just i never thought it felt as good yeah like like, was it two or three that some of the original team left to work on bloodborne I think that's that was two. two. Yeah. It was that two, was okay. Two. Yeah, because Miyazaki wasn't involved in it. And and I'm not like, Miyazaki wasn't involved. Like, no, thanks. Like, I'm not one of those people. Like, I think those people are crazy. Um, <laughs> like, 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 don't, don't be like I mean, that. it's still very good. It's still like a, yeah. a very, very solid game. Like, I'm not I love Dark Souls 2 story. Mechanically, yeah. I'm that... not as big of a fan, but its story yeah. is one of my favorites and of all the Dark Souls I was Souls just games. about to say that, like, the story of it is very tragic. With uh, Without spoilers, mm-hmm. there's that one moment where you meet the king that you've been searching for the entire game. And I won't spoil yeah. the moment, but it's just, it's, it's an excellent moment. wonderful yeah 
Yeah, that is such a, a brilliant subversion of like what you expect. Oh my yeah, God. yeah. Mm-hmm. That that game does have some genuine stuff, and the DLC is actually like. Super oh, I, I beat that all. too. Uh, the DLC is actually freaking fantastic, except yeah. the final boss where you have to like <laughs> battle all those freaking. Uh, can I say fuck those fucking gates? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they like yes. you have to like battle all these guys. They close the gates for you, and then the king dude comes out. Took mm-hmm. me forever. Yes. to beat that. Yes. I hated it, it. 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 It's such a cool spectacle moment, mm-hmm. but it is so goddamn hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's really frustrating. To be fair, it's the last boss on the last DLC, so I guess they mm-hmm. kind of earned it, but it's still so frustrating. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Jesse, you've also been playing a game called Shredders. <laughs> Shredders. Uh, yeah, so this was, it's on Game Pass, and uh, it was sold to me as, like, trying to recapture, like, the SSX Tricky days, um, oh, which I, I, I loved SSX Tricky, and so, yeah, it's a snowboarding game, and so I was really, I, I jumped into it to play it, and I, I've been enjoying it, but it is by no means as, uh, as good as SSX Tricky. It doesn't feel as arcadey. It honestly feels like if Quop was on uh, a snowboarding game where your character just like the I physics just feel a little that. bit off and you just sort of like okay. dance around a little bit. Yeah, it just it doesn't have that as Arcadia feel and the physics feel just a hair off, but it is still fun. So it it feels like a pale echo of SSX Tricky, but it's still like hitting those nostalgia buttons enough for me that I'm I'm enjoying it as like a but if I don't feel like picking up Horizon Zero Dawn and like getting really into a big story mission or something, if I only have a few minutes to play something, it's it's a good like pick up and play for a few moment, uh, minutes game. Okay. So. Does it have any of the like flair of SSX Tricky? Because when I think of Tricky, I think of like that mm-hmm. kind of early two thousand. It's time like... to rock around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we're just trying to like where everything was trying to be real. Like yeah, like look at us, like the the Tude era, mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. radical. Look at these half pipes we got. You can grind on a snowboard. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have any of that. It is much more. Oh. It feel honestly, it actually feels much more in line with uh, like the the one that came after Tricky, which was like what was it SSX, which was much more like straightforward, like snowboarding, right, yes. like down the mountain feel to it. So it kind of feels more akin to that, but like okay. kind of like a middle ground where it doesn't feel like straight sim. It definitely has arcadey feel to it, but it do- also doesn't feel as over the top as Tricky was. Um, and again, the physics are like a hair off from what you would like mm. really want it. it. Like it feels a little bit too floaty. It feels a little bit too floaty for me. Um, but again, it, it, it's it's a fun enough game to sort of hit those buttons. Cool. Yeah, I I love snowboarding games. I don't think anything will ever beat. Did you guys ever play uh uh Snowboard Kids? What was it? <laughs> not Snowboard Kids. No. Uh, Amped Three. No, Amp ever played three, Amp no. Amp Three? No. Oh, my God. Amp, Amp the way three your eyes just lit up is, is is a is a fever dream nightmare of a video game. Um, so like the first two Amped games were, I want to say like original Xbox or PS2, and they were just like snowboarding games. There, there wasn't that much to them. They were just kind of you know fine, serviceable snowboarding games. For Amp Three, it was. I want to say launch title for the Xbox 360 or at least very close after it came out. And that studio just said like, fuck it, let's go all in. So it's got this insane story where uh, an evil corporation is like brainwashing all of your snowboarding buddies. The evil corporation is called uh, Kalanatronic Arts, which is a very not so subtle dig at yay. 
the um <laughs> oh the my god scenes swing wildly between like you'll meet like this one character who she's like i'm your snowboarding fairy godmother so all of her <laughs> cut scenes are like Ooh. live action scrapbooking uh where she's like putting on stickers and stuff and then you'll like hang out with your your other friend who's like hey dude what's up and so his stuff is all like action figures like 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 those old like 80s toys like walking you know, through the uh in like the backyard and they're doing like parodies of like gi joe and barbie and then your one character's like uh one of your buddies is like oh, i'm really cool so he has like um magazine cutouts uh it, it style there's like sock puppets they they literally said like every single thing we can possibly do we will do it and it's the most bat shit it's like it's like a weird art project video game thing it's absolutely incredible and wow okay you I, I love i love this. to yeah, I you love sold me to too. tell Why is this not a video on GameSpot.com, John Luke? It, it needs to be. It needs to be. At the very least, I've... you sh- you should watch the cutscenes. Like, I think like Giant Bomb, they did a quick look for it back in the day. It was like a retro quick look, and it started with them playing the game, and then they said, "Okay, we're now just gonna go to the menu and watch all the cutscenes for like the next hour." <laughs> and it's incredible. It's an incredible video. So if you want like a taste of what that game is like, I would go seek out that video. But the game itself is also, like, insane because they give you, like, all sorts of crazy outfits where you can wear, like, bunny suits and, uh, like, you have a snowboard, but you can also be, like, I'm going to ride, like, a, a a tube or, like, a couch or, oh um, yes. like, the, you know, I've the, uh, the skate, um, <laughs> uh, Hall is Meat, <laughs> uh, mechanic in, in, in the skate games where you would just try and, like, hurt yourself as much as possible. Mm. Uh, uh, Amped 3 also has a version of that in their game that they did even before skate was a uh, a thing so i guess you can thank amp 3 for that uh from skate i love amp 3 and I, i'm very excited i got a chance to tell everyone about it i really miss and i'm i was really hoping that like the tony hawk remake would uh would sort of reignite this era and it really it hasn't really completely yet um, but I really miss that era of like really arcadey like sports games that mm-hmm. had that like attitude yeah. type of era like like yep. as sex like amp like uh, Tony Hawk like um oh there was there was a few other ones that were just like that that I just like I miss that era of games uh they're just so me much too fun. me too I I was watching a um a video by a YouTuber Rail Taxi who Evan knows Evan watched it I love it I love those videos uh, yeah uh, Rebel he he does lots of great like you know attitude era like old like kind of retro games and he did one just about um like waterboarding like like yeah. jet ski games and i was, <laughs> I was just like waterboarding oh, game I is a completely you... different thing. yeah i was going the torture route and i'm <laughs> yeah, like yeah the waterboarding this is great <laughs> <laughs> jet ski like wave race and i was like oh yeah like wave race 64 and and there was that one on the arcades uh but then like he just kept going through them and i was like i forgot how many of these like there was this whole era where people just kept making these like weird attitude era like wave race games and i'm like damn what a time to be alive when like anyone could just make that stuff mm-hmm. i feel like there's yeah. just so much more variety back then i'm i invested I, over 100 hours in tony hawk pro skater 4 and then accidentally damn. formatted my memory card for a spongebob game and cried <gasps> oh, uh it was no. it was the worst wow. I'm sorry. That is. <laughs> it was literally like GameCube was like, oh, you want to format your memory card so you can play SpongeBob? And me being a stupid little kid not knowing what format meant, I'm like, yeah, I need space in my memory card. <laughs> and there it all goes. Oh, 
Was it a good SpongeBob? Was it Battle for Bikini Bottom? It was Battle for Bikini Bottom, I believe. Okay, so it, was it was the good it was, one. It was right, fine, right. but still, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4 I, killed me inside. See, that's another part of the 2000s I missed, those <laughs> shitty-ass license games. But Battle for oh, Bikini yeah. Bottom wasn't, but like bring back those garbage-ass <laughs> license games that take like two hours to beat and have like the movie cutscenes in like graphic <laughs> oh quality. I still, I, to be fair, I still want a remake of the Lord of the Rings games. I just want them so bad. Oh. The Return of the King game legitimately slaps. It's so mm-hmm. good. Oh, it's so good. I and instead, you're getting game. that uh, Gollum game for PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that could be cool. But no, no, no. Uh... I need Shark Tale, the game where you have to do that dancing mini <laughs> oh game that God. was impossible to beat. You could not beat that. I swear. I remember I need, that. I, I remember the it's series of unfortunate events video game, the like shitty yes, platformer. Yes, that was a yes. that was a really fun game. <laughs> I played yeah, that. See, too. we yeah. need we need all of those. For the longest time I've wanted to go back and replay a bunch of those shitty but occasionally very hard license games and be like, okay, now that I'm no longer six years old. <laughs> can i beat like the levels of these games because <laughs> oh well, to... as a kid it, you don't understand so it's like i'm playing this like shitty platformer in section in the like you know series of unfortunate events game and you're like as a kid you just think like oh i'm just not good enough and it's like you go back as an adult and you're like oh no this is actually badly made this wasn't <laughs> yep. good yeah i remember I... the same thing with the polar express video game like trying to yeah. climb that freaking mountain of presence and then if you get all the way to the top but then you would drop if you miss the jump it would drop you all the way back to the beginning of the level because it just had no See, design I have, a, I have a great story about this, because one of the things I got stuck on as a kid was the Incredibles game, that <laughs> robot, that circular robot mm-hmm. in the volcano. Mm-hmm. I could not for the life of me beat that. Many years later, like 10 years later, when I was a teenager, I rebought it on GameCube, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to beat this <laughs> fucking thing. I still couldn't beat it. It was so hard. I was like... Fuck this. I, I this thought would be a series where help. each one of us goes back and plays like that one game from our childhood. Like, like I just couldn't do it. Us. And it's time for a rematch. <laughs> what would what would be your game? Go go around the room. I mean, Evan, you say, so, okay. You, Incredibles. Incredibles. Yeah. I feel like mine would be the Polar Express game. That stupid freaking tower I just rage quit on. I'm not sure if I would be able to play mine anymore. John Luke, you might remember this, so... Back in the day, there were those old desktop Bionicle games, and oh the second yep. one had mm-hmm. you playing a character who would play uh, Coley, which is like their variation of like soccer and yes. uh, lacrosse. And the last match you have to face is so fucking hard, <laughs> and I just could not beat it. And I'm like, you have to beat this to see the last cutscene to prepare to watch the movie that's coming out, and little like seven-year-old Jordan was going to cry because he was like, I just need to beat it so I know what happens before the movie comes out in like four days and never did it. Eventually just watched the movie. I'm like, oh, I didn't. I didn't need to. You totally didn't have to. Yeah, but I it's haunted me, the fact that I was never able to... I think you... I think it's the match against the girl Matoran, uh, Holly and I can't remember her goalie's name, but they're just they're just beasts. They're just too good. Yeah, I still say. By my... the w- oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say. By the way, I'm 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 both thrilled and disappointed that uh, you talked about Bionicle last week, <laughs> but I was not there to be around to also talk about Bionicle with you. 
I I ha- I need the flimmiest of excuses to talk about <laughs> Bionicle. You don't, you don't need any excuse to t- talk about Bionicle. Like yeah. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who who works in Los Angeles, and his dream is he has in his back pocket some like Bionicle scripts that he just wants to pitch. He wants to get high enough in Hollywood where he can just like pitch his Bionicle scripts and actually make them happen. <laughs> oh I'll go God, see the movie. Yes. If there was the anyone yeah, who was like kickstarting like a Bionicle movie in like the same way that people are like, oh yeah, we're we're making Legend of Vox Machina. We're turning our like Dungeons and Dragon campaign into an actual uh, animated series. If someone was like, oh, I'm just turning my Bionicle fan fiction into an animated series. I'm like, easy. Five hundred dollars. Here you go. Is that not enough? Cool. Here's eight hundred. <laughs> the only Bionicle thing I really remember there was like that commercial. I think with that Lincoln Park song where they were like, yep. "Yes, all yep. yes, yep. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes." Um, th- uh, there was Lincoln Park, and then there's All American Rejects. Um, I forever associate that song with that Bionicle commercial. Like I will yeah. hear All American Rejects, and I'm like, Bionicle. <laughs> Oh my god. Like, I'm the only one in the room. <laughs> and everyone else thinks I'm a fucking crazy person. Uh, I'm with you. Hey, I'm with you on that. I love that. I mean, the best so thing much. about Bionicles was like the packaging, like the tubes you got them in. The yeah. Thing. So clever. That. Yeah. Because you could just put, you, you could put them right back in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy, easy storage. Mm-hmm. I was trying to explain Bionicle to Lucy and Tam last podcast episode, and they just thought I was insane. They're like, we've never. You're in the wrong like, crowd. We are your people. Like, we <laughs> clearly they didn't, they didn't read the books. They didn't go into the comics. Yeah. There's a whole there's a whole universe of Bionicle lore my, that you can get into. My old in 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 my elementary school for lunch period we would have to eat in the cafeteria. But as a reward, if you were good that week, our teacher would let you go and eat in the classroom and watch a movie. And so we would always like go and watch Bionicle movies, and it would Hell just like, yeah. be the reward. Hell yeah! yeah. yeah. <sighs> I need to watch those movies again. I, I I showed Tam and Lucy a clip from Bionicle two last week. <laughs> Because the in from in Bionicle two, the like movie opens up with a bunch of Mator and like getting mysterious stones and like meeting in a temple. It's like we must band together, and a bunch of people have been posting like all that intro clip from uh what's that game uh Stranger Stranger in Paradise Stranger in Paradise. That it's like a bunch of people holding magical rocks and being like, ah, oh, I guess we're all on the same team. I'm like, it's the same scene. It's exactly <laughs> the same. And after just like watching that scene, I just like kept watching more of the movie and then like it was like seven o'clock i'm like oh the credits are rolling that was a good movie maybe i should go <laughs> back has- and rewatch bionicle one and bionicle three like <laughs> there has to be some sort of like bionicle to jrpg final fantasy pipeline that happened for like kids right yeah. like that had like that was like a gateway drug one just led to another naturally <laughs> What other series is there out there that's about, like, magical people who are just doing a bunch of, like, weird fantasy shit? And I'm like, it's me. <laughs> that's my people. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think they're literally called, like, the, the there's one that's called, like, the Toa of Light. And I was like, it's the same yeah. thing. It's just the Warrior of Light from yeah. Final Fantasy. It's the same thing. It's great. Did you know that eventually he absorbed the powers of Shadow and became the warrior of light and shadow? And it was an incredible moment for like 13-year-old Jordan. Very edgy. Very. <laughs> this is so dark. This is the best storytelling will ever be. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember the, th- the third 
generation where like the heroes from the second generation got corrupted and you're like yeah. oh now they're like bad yeah. like this is like the emo bionicle thing they must like resist their darker natures and like 12 year old jordan's like whoa this is incredible <laughs> top tier storytelling happening here in the bionicle lore uh, Jordan, you should write uh, the complete Bionicle timeline explained. We'll make we'll make the video. I would a hundred percent do it if I could somehow convince like Tay to like have us actually put it on the YouTube channel. But I don't know how to do that. I may I may or may not have access to said YouTube channel. We could just upload it. Yeah, we just upload. Tay just opens YouTube one day. It's like what the fuck? There's just an hour video. I feel like there has to be some sort of Bionicle lore rabbit hole. Like, there's, like, Dark Souls oh. lore videos mm-hmm. and Bionicle lore videos. I feel like that... There, yeah. there has to be. There's definitely enough there mm-hmm. yeah. to do that, for sure. And we should definitely do more lore videos, because, like, the number one comment we got when we did lore videos for Mass Effect was people being like, why do you all not do this for more video game series? And we're like... Mm-hmm. Because Bionicle's <laughs> just not that popular. <laughs> you want it, you're gonna get it. You're gonna give you all the Bionicle lore you ever wanted. <laughs> oh, oh my god. There well, you go, Jordan, John Luke. We talked about Bionicle again. We did it. I'm so happy. We can shut this podcast down. Um, in fact, wow, this podcast is already actually running quite long, but we actually still got a couple more things to talk about. Uh, although, Jordan, I don't think you have anything to talk about because you just have a big old redacted. Yeah, the thing that I'm playing, I can't talk about yet. It's a game that I'm reviewing. I will be so excited to talk about it when I can because I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Um, but I actually yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so you probably wouldn't. Like. <laughs> No, that, wow. no, but that's exciting. Wow. Like, that, that was like, 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 probably wouldn't have heard it. I mean, it's, it's, no, it's more so like, it's a game that I'm like, I don't think many people are going to expect much of it. Like, I was kind of going into it being like, this will probably be a nice, like, excellent 7 out of 10 game. You're like, no, something that's pretty good that I can recommend to my friends. And I'm like, oh, no, it's probably going to be like within my top three, like at the end okay. of the year. So, oh. <laughs> wow. It's a bold claim for March. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess that just leaves me, and I've been playing a couple of the uh, other big games that have come out. The first being Ghostwire Tokyo, which Ooh. has been getting a pretty divisive, uh, m- a mix of, of uh, opinions and reviews on the internet. Um, seems some people uh, quite enjoy it. Other people um, feel like it's kind of a little bit rote. And unfortunately for myself, I, I kind of fit squarely in the middle. It's a game that I was so high on for the first five hours. Uh, I did like a preview on it and I was like, I love this game. I love everything this game is doing. I the, like it's just this beautiful, like haunted, uh, like Shibuya where there's just spirits everywhere. And there's cat yokai who are running shops and you're throwing like you know, uh, Doctor Strange hand magic at people, and it's great, and I love it. it, and everything just felt fresh and new. And unfortunately, after those five hours, the game kind of started to repeat itself, mm. and 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 mm. I felt like it was starting to like it had all these like amazing moments, and then it was like, all right, we're gonna kind of just start repeating the same elements over and over again and and it wasn't evolving as much and and i was so i was starting to get kind of bored of it which was bumming me out because of just how much i really really like those early parts um i i still 
think it's a good game. Uh, the I, I like the the story. So I'll say like the story itself isn't all that interesting in terms of like the characters, but I really like sort of the interesting environments. A lot of it is like you go into a Japanese building that is then like corrupted, and so they kind of like do some fun um like evil within style stuff where you're like oh i'm in this like normal office building and then like it kind of like gets twisted and corrupted in in some interesting ways and so i think like those main story environments are fun um it's more that like the side stuff is like has so much potential but it's so brief so you'll get this like really interesting side quest where they're like oh hey this um there there's like a bunch of uh sakura trees but all of them are dead except for one, and that one is, like, blood red. And they're like, oh, there, uh, there's, like, a, a curse where someone must have been buried underneath the tree, and their evil energy, like, their negative energy is, is must be, like, killing all of the other trees and, like, you know, absorbing, like, their, their power. And you have to stop it, and you're like, wow, that sounds really interesting. And then you do, like, one combat sequence, and then they're like, all right, you've healed it now. And like, then that's it. And so it's yeah. like, it's like all these interesting like setups and potentials and, and all the side quests are based on like Japanese mythology. Uh, there's a great one where there's just a haunted toilet stall and you got to go find toilet paper for them, which is like a reoccurring um, joke in a lot of video games. Like Zelda's done that joke. I was just about um, to say, that's a Zelda ripoff. What are you doing? <laughs> it's because it's based on uh, a Japanese folklore, apparently. And huh. so like all they're, they're all based on these really cool ideas of like Japanese mythology and folklore, but it feels like just when they're starting to, to get interesting, like the quest ends and you're like, mm. ah, I wanted you to do more. So it, it's, it's a game that like, I really love, but the whole time I'm playing it, I'm just like, ah, oh, I want this game to be so much more than it is, mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. So I don't think it's a bad game, but um, I feel like it just, it, it the potential, it, there, there's so much more to it mm. that it could have been. It's weird because that's like a lot of things that people were, not like exactly the same, but a lot of people were saying similar things about the first Evil Within where they were like, there's just so much potential here, which I think was realized in the Evil Within 2. Absolutely. Um, so... I hope that there's a follow-up to this. I do really like the, uh, like, theory hope that uh, Susie the Sphere Hunter put forward about, like, oh, what if uh, this becomes, like, a Ghostwire franchise where it's, like, oh, the first one was Ghostwire Tokyo, so it's, like, a lot of Japanese mythology, but the next one will be Ghostwire in, like, some other city in, like, Ooh. Spain or, like, uh, Egypt Chicago. or something. Yeah, and so it's, like, different. <laughs> Ghostwire America. <laughs> we don't have good folklore. We don't have good folklore here. <laughs> For some reason, I just imagine, like, Guy Fieri and his, like, Corvette being like, Hi, I'm Guy Fieri. This is Ghostwire America. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. We're Drivers dine into Ghostwires. Ghostwire Miami. It'd be great. <laughs> it's just a bunch of uh, haunted um, diners and, yeah. <laughs> bars i'd play that that sounds great <laughs> i would yeah. absolutely play that game that's a cool idea mm -hmm. i i would love to see them do that or or even yeah if just like if even if it is still in like japan but just realize that full potential because yeah. i'm a hundred percent on that boat where i i really wanted to like evil within one but like i fell off that game so hard and found so much of that game frustrating and tedious uh and meanwhile i think evil within two is like an underrated gem that not enough people talk about. Yeah. Like I think that game is like one of the best horror games of the last like 10 years and nobody ever talks about it. And it's like such a shame. So I hope 
I hope they get another chance. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be weird now because now they're part of Microsoft. Like this game was also in that weird yeah. like Sony. It's the second like, Deathloop. PlayStation exclusive. <laughs> yeah, it's the second Deathloop essentially. Where it's a is it the last one or is there more? I think this is the last one that it was okay. a play a studio making a PlayStation game that they were then acquired. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I hopefully, think. hopefully, one of the least things you know. Microsoft acquiring everything aside, like at least one of the benefits of it is do they do seem to be giving their studios like good leeway to like just explore mm-hmm. and try new things. So even if mm-hmm. they can't make another Ghostwire game, like something that's like a spiritual successor to it would be would be worthwhile, I yeah. think. Cuz this game sounds like right up my alley in terms of everything yeah. I yeah. Would want. And and I think it does enough weird stuff where it gives me that kind of like uh PS2 energy of just like kind of what we were talking about of like oh when games were just kind of trying weird stuff out and like it didn't always work but it was like uh, you know what they're trying like something kind of cool and different and and mm-hmm. like I really like the combat I, I love the the vibe of it like it's so beautiful looking yeah. even if it is like kind of a little empty and dull at times like I, there's so much potential that um, and I agree that I, I think like Microsoft seems to have a pretty good head on their shoulders based on what Phil Spencer's been saying where they kind of let studios, you know, leave them alone and let them do what they do. And I mean, you know, Microsoft, they've been wanting like a Japanese studio forever. Mm-hmm. And so they, they technically have one now with Ghostwire. So if they were smart, they would be like, keep making what you want to make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so yeah. hopefully that's the case. And also like just I want games like this to succeed so badly just because I'm like it. It sucks to get something like Ghostwire Tokyo and like people are honest with their opinions. I don't think anyone should change their opinions just to fit something. But it's like some people really like it. Some people don't like it. Some people are kind of in the middle of the road. Like you said, like uh, reception has been kind of mixed. But it's like it's a Japanese game made by a Japanese studio. Meanwhile, you have something like Ghost of Tsushima and Sifu, like Japanese and Chinese games made by very like Western developers that like most people are like, these games are excellent and they are like great (laughs) representations of Asian culture. I'm like, are they though? Like, (laughs) and I'm like, I, I was really hoping uh, for this game to do really well and to be like very popular Mm -hmm. for no other reason. I'm like, look, there's been just, Asian people get dragged through the mud so often in a lot of Western sure. made video games. And I just want them to, I want them to have more victories, you know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted, yeah. I wanted them to have this, um, but it, yeah. it's interesting. you can feel that. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, I was, I was just going to say, you can feel that in the love of like the mytho- the Japanese mythology mm-hmm. that this game has. Like it, it would not feel the same if like a Western studio tried to do their take on it. Like, cause it's like, clearly this is like, you know, this is their culture, you know, their history that they're representing in this game. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting discussion about who gets to tell stories and like how that gets represented and like what type of s- stories that that evokes. I mean, because I remember with Ghost of Tsushima, it did have like this huge romanticization of of Japanese culture within it that did feel like a little bit um, voyeuristic as opposed to like coming out of the culture. But I also know mm-hmm. that like. Mm-hmm. There were some Japanese developers, I forget who were, who did, who said uh, that this was like a better representation than many Western or Japanese developers had made. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just sort of an interesting sort of like where who gets to tell stories and like where does it become voyeuristic sure. and like where does it feel authentic? And it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm actually yeah. it's interesting to bring up that conversation within the context. of No, totally. Game. Mm-hmm. I, I've I can think of plenty of examples of like movies and games where foreign 
studios have taken a crack at American culture mm-hmm. and done really interesting things because they're able to have this outsider perspective and they can maybe be a little more honest about American culture in a way that like Americans can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, it's like, I don't know. We're also America. We're kind of like the top. So it's like, we're it's fine when someone makes a thing <laughs> yeah. about us yeah. versus like when America then does it, like it's a very different conversation, mm-hmm. but. And it also is yeah, like, it, what what's like evoking something and like, and being inspired by it and then actively like appropriating it. Like I know like there's conversations around as a huge matrix movie fan. I love the matrix movies, but there's also mm-hmm. a lot that mm-hmm. they sort of took from uh, anime and, and like right. a lot of Japanese mm-hmm. like culture within that that's led to some interesting conversations about like, did they have a right to do that? And, and it's, it's mm-hmm. like one of those, like, I don't, I don't ever hate, unless it's like clearly offensive. I don't yeah. ever like being someone like analyzing art being like, this is the worst thing. I just think it's more just like, all right, what does this, what does this say? And about who gets to tell stories and how we, how we sort of think about them and how, what it reflects about our views of other cultures. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and moving on to, the final game to talk about, which is Tiny Tina's Wonderland. Uh, the game that Gearbox has said is not a Borderlands game, but guess what? It's totally a Borderlands <laughs> game. It is It is more Durlands uh, 3. <laughs> I got so I much shit from people being like, you can't just say Tiny Tina Wonderland, it's just more Borderlands 3. I'm like, I absolutely can, and now I feel it so is, vindicated. <laughs> it's <laughs> absolutely more Borderlands 3. And I will say up front, that's totally not a bad thing. If you like t- Borderlands 3 and you want more Borderlands 3, then baby, this is this is what you get. You're getting more <laughs> Borderlands, and you're probably going to have a pretty good time with it. Um, I do think it improves on a couple aspects. For one, I haven't beat it yet, but just based on like talking to other people who've beat it, it does not seem as arduously long as Borderlands 3 was. That game hey. just went that... on way too long. That oh was my, my biggest God. problem with Borderlands 3. <laughs> It was like a 30, 35-hour yeah. campaign or something like that. Yeah, uh, I think a reviewer beat it in like 25 hours, and just based on like where I am on the map and like how much I've played and, and how much seems left, I'm like, yeah, okay, it seems like I'm on the right pace for around like a 25-hour. Seems way better, in my opinion. I know some people will probably be like, I'm getting less game for my, my value, you know, or my money, but it's like, I don't know, just from like a pacing perspective, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, but yeah, it's it's more borderlands but you know this time they're they're kind of leaning back into the D aesthetic uh that the tiny teen is uh, assault and dragon keep dlc didn't in, in uh borderlands 2 which was fantastic i love that dlc i thought it was so cool mm-hmm. and interesting and such a refreshing take on borderlands um as a result though i it doesn't quite feel as special for me this time because i did already kind of it feels like it's kind of reusing a lot of the same tricks that uh that dlc did like you know like oh like you know tina's talking about this area and then someone says something about like well wait shouldn't it look like this and then like it'll magically change in front of you it's a really cool trick but it's a trick that they already did in that dlc so seeing it this time feels it, it, it i don't know it just doesn't quite hit me and that's maybe a me problem because i played that dlc I imagine if you didn't play that DLC, this would feel a lot more fresher and interesting. And, you you know, if you're really into Dungeons and Dragons and the fantasy stuff, 
I imagine there's a there's a lot there for you. We're old gamers, want... John Luke. There's a whole generation <laughs> of teenagers who were just kids when <laughs> Borderlands 2 came out. Well, they, they actually did re-release the DLC as a standalone thing, uh, like last year, which I thought was interesting as like a way for you to play that, which mm-hmm. which is actually pretty cool that they did that. So technically, you can go play it without having to play all of Borderlands 2. I was gonna, I was gonna ask, like, how is the writing of the game? Because um, I'm, I'm actually a big Borderlands fan. Like, Borderlands Two and Tales okay. from the Borderlands are actually some of my favorite. Tales games. from the Borderlands, mm. love that. Game. Absolutely love it. Yeah. <laughs> Finger um, guns. <laughs> but I didn't love. I didn't. I liked Borderlands Three, but the reason that I was reticent on it as, as compared to the other ones was I thought the story felt a little bit more generic. Like, I thought Two felt really fresh, and then also personally, mm. it, I would love that it was also like not afraid of queerness which is like so many video games are afraid of queerness in a lot of different ways like there are so many lgbtq characters and the writing was just funny and and it all felt like really like wonderfully uh just a joyous time and three didn't have that and so i'm kind of reticent to go back into tiny teams Mm. wonderlands uh yeah i I would say because i i agree with you on pretty much everything that's how i feel about um three in comparison to like two and, and tales from the borderlands um the main story is is in my opinion not all that interesting mm. it's very just like typical D kind of archetypes like now we're gonna go here and, and and i think they may be like it's more about like well we can tell an interesting joke or a funny joke within mm-hmm. this setup but the actual like quest you're going on is very typical D like there's there's nothing particularly interesting about it they do one weird thing i was telling jordan about that i don't i don't understand so the whole thing is that it is within you're playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons with Tina. So they will kind of cut back to the you at the table, like with her. And so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this is clearly like a tabletop game that you are playing. And then like, you know, the, uh, that's the wrapper that the game takes place in. And, but then they will, they do this weird thing where the villain who's played by Will Arnett is pretty good. Uh, does a good job. I think, um, he, gets really fourth wall with you and he'll start like referencing Tina's D and D play style and how she's like, he thinks she's a bad like DM and Mm. how uh, like, Oh, she always does this and she always tries to pull out this. And, and it's like, and, and then at one point he, he like breaks free from like the shackles of like the, the, the limitations of being a, a, a character and like does something i won't spoil what it is but he like does something that's like a twist in the narrative and everyone's like oh my god what happened and like tina's like i don't know what happened and i'm sitting there going what do you mean you don't know what happened you're playing a game of D. these are fictional things on a board this makes no sense so i like genuinely was like i don't what are i don't understand what they're what they're doing like this like does tina have a split personality like what is going on and they like haven't so far made like i assume they address it later but like i'm at the point in the game where they have like that has happened and they have not brought that up they have not like brought up that weird inconsistency and i don't understand it at all it's so bizarre <laughs> interesting and, that and, has and, me very intrigued now <laughs> it, it's intriguing but i'm also just like i don't understand like what are you doing it's like it's literally how weird. would that actually happen? Because it's like it's a fictional imaginary person who's not actually there, but they're yeah. like breaking free of the narrative. So in 
theory, nothing should be happening on the actual tabletop side. And yet people are like, yo, what's going on? And Tina's like, I don't know. I'm like, so is it magic? Like, (laughs) It's Randy Pitchford's magic tricks. (laughs) If my character had some autonomy, they would actually be like, no, Tina, for real, what what, what is happening? Yeah, I'm very confused. Which would be hilarious if that was like an actual thing that popped up. It's like, no, I want to press this issue. (laughs) Like, Tina, what the fuck? (laughs) But the the core characters are fun. You have um, uh, Andy Samberg who plays like this uh kind of like loser star captain who like crashed their ship on pandora and that's why they're stuck with tiny tina is like the premise and so he's like kind of a loser in real life so he wants to be like a hero in D D. so he's mm. always like let's go on a grand quest and then um wanda sykes plays this like uh robot who um is like really into the rural aspect of D. so they're like i want to like maximize my like skill set and like let's go pillage so that we can get the best loot possible and like there's some good like fun Kind of like party bickering dynamics with that. Um, I do wish they actually did more with the um, the D and D, like the idea of D and D as like a mechanical thing, because it's like D and D is like super open ended with like player choice. So you would you would think the game would then want to potentially pre- like put that in the game and be like, let's have you make some choices and like have that change the story. It doesn't do that. It, it, it's very much the typical borderland structure. where You're just going through the game and, you know, Tina says, hey, you're going to do this now. And then you do that. So it, it in that sense, it it it's like it invokes a lot of like the aesthetics of D&D, but the actual spirit of of like getting to make a decision and how the story plays out mm-hmm. isn't there. And I get that that's maybe just a limitation of like, we're just kind of making a spinoff game that is using the framework of Borderlands three. So maybe we just can't do that. That is, it does feel like a missed opportunity. I would have loved to have seen like some actual character agency. Um, yeah, but yeah, otherwise it's like, it's just more Borderlands three. I mean, it's, it's fine. Um, if the, the jokes are not, uh, the jokes are okay. They're, uh, I, I feel like I'm not groaning as much as I am in Borderlands 3. I feel like Borderlands 3, I was really like, oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, like, that was the, the one where like just... it was just like doing dabbing and crap, right? Like streamer culture nonsense. Yeah. yeah, they were doing, like, some of that stuff was really... This is a little more like... um, They're just throwing a lot of, like, you know, fantasy jokes and, and, and references. And they're they're fine. They're they're okay. Um, I, I don't think you're going to, like... This is going to change your opinion on Borderlands humor if you didn't like it. But I also don't find it as grating as I found three at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and they have some nice they, they do have some nice representation. There are uh, there is a, a, a gay um, pirate uh, skeleton lovers, which is nice. That's, that's, um, that is the representation that I've always been looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a character <laughs> that I am like 95 percent sure is a trans character. And I say 95% because they never actually say it out loud, which I also love about that's that. That's also, because yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. that's the thing that a video game always has to, like, they have to spell it out and say, just so you know, this character's trans because representation. This is like, like, like Mass Effect Andromeda <laughs> where it's like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm trans. How are you? It was like, right. oh God, oh God. <laughs> yes, yes. Bioware is 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 guilty of yeah. that. Even when Bioware's they do like, this well. is how people introduce themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Leading that's, with gender that's, identity first. That's exactly yeah. how I introduce myself to everybody. Hi, nice to meet all of you. I'm trans. I hope you know that. Nice to meet you. <laughs> 
um so yeah uh, like i thought that was cool because i was like oh i'm pretty sure that character's trans but they never actually say anything they just kind of let that character be who they are and you can kind of you know it it is what it is and i I thought that was cool i mean i mean joke jokes aside on that like i mentioned it before like what i do really like the borderlands games for is like it, it it's not afraid of queerness because when we talk about representation typically like even people who are like oh representation's awful like uh get about is they 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 get at like the tokenization element of it mm-hmm. which is like oh we just toss a character in just to have them there and what i love about sure. borderlands so much is that like there's just so many disparate like personalities and people that they just have like so many people just interacting with each other and they do have like mm-hmm. queer characters who just feel involved in the narrative who don't feel like they're there to like be the queer character but they exactly. they're just part yes. of the world that they built out and that it's just so many people there and so it, it doesn't ever feel tokenized and it, it just mm-hmm. feels like representational, but in a way that feels inclusive and normalized in a crazy heightened world. So that's that's why one of the reasons why I really love the Borderlands games. Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. I think they I think they're weirdly enough, like for all the faults you can point at Borderlands rating, mm-hmm. like they they do that better than anyone else because they again, they just they don't they don't try and tokenize it or, or call attention to it. They just sort of like this character is a character and that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. They exist for the story and for, you know, their own character arc. And, and um, yeah, it seems like they're kind of continuing to do that in this, which is cool. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do wish that the actual like quest itself was a little more um, interesting because for me, it's like, Oh, you know, I don't know. Typical fantasy. Got to stop the dragon Lord. Like I, I, I would hope it, I'm not done with it yet, so maybe I could be entirely wrong, but I would hope it maybe pulls a little bit more of a twist and, and kind of goes in a more, like, interesting direction because, I don't know, I'm I'm a little bored of, like, that kind of generic fantasy. Mm-hmm. Just watch, John Luke. It's going to be, like, an Inscription-level twist at, like, the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Like, that's... Oh I'm, I'm on... I want, I want that level of nonsense. Like, <laughs> give me that. God, that game messed me up. It's... <laughs> yeah. Honestly... You want to talk about, like, a game that, like, plays with your expectations of, like, and, and, and plays into the ideas of the relationship between, like, a player and, like, a dungeon master. I think Inscription mm-hmm. has a lot more to say about that than Tiny Tina ever does, because mm-hmm. Tiny Tina, Tiny Tina's a bad DM. Like, <laughs> like the characters will be like, we should do this, and Tina's like, nah. And, like, I get that that's a joke, and it's funny, but you also go, like... But yeah, but this is actually a bad D&D experience. She's a terrible yes ander. She does not want to like, <laughs> you know, request to the party's uh, needs at all. Oh it's, no. This is terrible. I've had those DMs. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you it's like yeah, it's like uh the the kind of Tina's the kind of dungeon master who like has uh, you know just amazing creativity and you're like yeah like when when she's on point and her creativity is like fantastic and she comes up with all these cool characters and she's a fun to be around but the second you try and ask for something that she didn't plan for she gets all fussy about it and you're like ah tina come on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) gotta have a dm who embraces the weirdness it's great Mm mm-hmm uh, but yeah, anyway, that's that's Tiny Tina, and that is a podcast. This has been an absolute delight, everyone. I've had a, a ton of fun. We talked about so many things. We talked about Persona. We talked about Bionicle. We talked about snowboarding games. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be pulling up my DS, and I'm going to be playing Persona Q2, whatever it was. There you <laughs> go. Soul yes, the yes. new cinema labyrinth. <laughs> I, if I learned anything, it's ignore all the new games coming out, play Amp 3 and uh, Q2. That's it. Yeah. 
Yes, well, that's April what I'm doing. They're looking M3. somewhat free. Like we got Lego <laughs> Star Wars and uh, Switch, Sports. Switch Sports, but like I think mm-hmm. other than that. A I'm lot still of the other stuff is delayed to all the other crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I, I haven't even touched Horizon Forbidden West yet. I've never played a Borderlands before. Like I got, I got plenty to do. <laughs> well, thank you all for uh, joining. This has been absolutely lovely. Uh, let's go around the room. Uh, tell us all where we can find you and what you're working on. If there's anything you want the audience to know, starting with you, Evan Langer. Sorry, Jevin Langer. This is the J Squad. Well, you can't find me at JevinLanger98 on Twitter. You can find me at EvanLanger98 on Twitter. And I will promote all the Kirby stuff we've been doing. You can check out the review by Stephen Petit and the video review that I edited and narrated if you're not already sick of my voice. Uh, we're doing a tips video. Uh, I did gameplay uh, before. There's an everything to know video if you're interested in that. And also, I, I thought about this, uh, March 31st, is the two-year anniversary of Persona 5 Royal, so listen to the spoiler cast I did with Michael Hyam, Jess McDonald, and Ben Jenka on this on this feed that we did a year ago, and I uh, I love that very much. So yeah, that's me. Thanks for listening, gamers. That's <laughs> it's an excellent spoiler cast, and I think around the same time last year, we also did a Strikers yes. spoiler cast, which yes, is also yes, very good. So you should go check that one out, too, if you've played Strikers. Uh, Jesse, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Jesse Gender on Twitter and on YouTube, where I also talk way too much about Star Trek and about LGBTQ and social issues through Geek Topics, because I do do the I'm trans. <laughs> I know I joke about it, but I, I talk about all that stuff there if you're curious. But uh, to speak about GameSpot stuff to plug, uh, two things. I did a video on uh, Dark Souls. Uh, where I played Dark Souls for the first time that I'm very, very proud of. It came out a mm-hmm. month or two ago, but it is a video that I really, really love and just want to get that out there because I'm I'm very proud of it. Uh, and then also, uh, last week, I believe it came out, uh, I did a, an article that I was also very proud of about a harder topic surrounding uh, J.K. Rowling's history within the uh, gender-critical turf movement and its legacy within the video game Hogwarts Legacy and sort of wrestling with what it means to support that game, even if you do wish to support the devs and all that stuff uh, about mm. how it still sort of sits within... Um, a very harmful person to the trans community. So um, I don't tell anyone how to feel about the game or J.K. Rowling in that article, but just try to give information about the situation. And I was very proud of it and a lot of the response to the article. So if you have not checked that out, please, uh, please do. Yes, absolutely. It's a fantastic, very well-written article. Oh, you're, a, you're. you're a very good writer. <laughs> I just want to say. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic resource, especially if, if you're just someone who has like never really taken the time to fully understand, you know, I feel like everyone, it, it's so easy now to just like kind of maybe know what's going on, but like, you're just like, oh, I heard from this and that. And so mm-hmm. if nothing else, like it's a great resource to mm-hmm. just be like, what is actually all this about and what's really yeah. going on? I mean, that's the whole, the whole thing with that, just to put a cap on, like the whole thing with that is just like, it is so complicated. And, and it, again, I'm a trans person, like part of just existing as a trans person today is knowing all of this stuff, unfortunately, mm. um, which sucks. But I also understand for a lot of other people that it's just sometimes confusing and difficult and that's okay. Like it's totally understandable that this stuff is mm. confusing. It was confusing to me figuring it out. Believe me, it took me many <laughs> years to figure it out. Um, so I, I hope that that's a good resource for anyone. And like I said, it's not there to dictate to anyone how to feel, but it is there to provide a resource to help people mm-hmm. come to their own conclusions about stuff. Absolutely. And Jordan Ramey, where can the lovely folks find you? They can find me on Twitter at JMRamey. Uh, recently, I realized I 
could have probably talked about these games. I recently played both uh, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga and uh, the Ghostbusters uh, Spirits Unleashed, both of which are pretty fantastic, but you can find my full thoughts in written form on GameSpot.com. And I have joined both Mark Delaney and Phil Hornshaw in uh, tackling coverage of a game via a weekly column. Uh, my poison of choice is Apex Legends, so the first of those <laughs> will be uh, live by the time this uh, podcast is out. So if you want to just like stay up to date on the nerdiest of nerdy things about Apex Legends, I will have you covered on a weekly basis until Tam a- tells me to stop. <laughs> <laughs> do, you have, do, do you have a good name for it? Because uh, I don't know what Marks is for. Marks is a uh, Friday night with night spelled like night in uh, Fortnite. That's pretty good. Yeah. And then and then Phil's is Iron Banter, which is also very good. Which is also uh, very good. I am currently like that's the reason why I don't want to like say the title yet because I'm workshopping it like right now as we speak. (laughs) The article will be live so people will know (laughs) what it is by the time this podcast episode comes out. Um, But I have like a couple of ideas that I'm just tossing around. Unfortunately, Apex Legends is not as uh, it's harder to make punny titles off of the words Mm. Apex and Legends in comparison to stuff coming from destiny and Fortnite. yeah but i'll find a way i'll find a way uh and uh yeah that's kind of what i'm working on uh the review that i spoke of it is a ways out god bless people who give us review codes (laughs) like more than two and a half weeks out from embargo uh but you'd love to see it (laughs) you'll eventually see it at some point And fantastic. And you can find me at John Lake I don't ever tweet anything at all interesting. So instead, I'm going to recommend go go look up Amp 3. Go buy yourself a copy of Amp 3 <laughs> if you can. Unfortunately, it's not backwards compatible. So you will need an original Xbox 360 to run that game. Jesus Christ. But I trust me, it's worth it. I swear. Game preservation. Just... We need to save Amp 3. Bill Spencer, get on that backwards compatibility, buddy. I know they said they were done, but like one more. Just I just need one more game. <laughs> Uncle Phil, come through. <laughs> Please. It was a it was a launch game. It's part of your history. Come on. Ugh. Thanks for watching, everyone, and we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.